Chicago, what a day for a daydream. Show me an unhappy man today, and I'll show you a... A shoe salesman, Jim. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. Live from the Jiggly Room, guys, this is the Married with Children Podcast. First ever podcast of its kind. There is no Married with Children show in the world. This is the first. We hope you like it. My name is Al. I swear that's really my name. With me is the guy who sneaks up on commie bimbos, Jerry. What's up, Jerry? I'm, I'm just over here wondering why that has not been turned into a Roger Corman movie. Is it too late? <laughs> Did he die in 2016 or no? Uh, I don't know. I don't keep up with old guys. Oh, okay. We have one more person. Well, here he is. Hey, what's up, Justin? How's it going, guys? The man who just wants some juice. Justin, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, but I'm still waiting on this juice. Yeah, Peg didn't have time to go to the store yet. Well, the TV was sweating. You have to figure out how to fix that. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have a job or anything, does she? No, you'd be married to Al. All right, guys. Well, this is the first show, and you are in no man's land, baby. That's right, this is No Ma'am, the Entertainment Department. Will we entertain you guys? Shoo betcha! (laughs) This is the Married with Children podcast, Season 1, Episode 1. One new show every single Friday. As the show goes along, we are basically going through the entire Married with Children series. Uh, this is the beginning, guys. So we're going to start at episode one, go all the way through. The order will be uh, the release date order that you can find on IMDb if you want to know what one to watch next. But we'll tell you anyway at the end of the episode. So the first one is simply called Pilot. Uh, this is the pilot episode. And in this episode, Al Bundy has a chance of getting front row seats to the basketball game. But Peggy makes them stay home and meet their new yuppie neighbors, Marcy and Steve Rhodes. Wow, they put Marcy's name first. That that has to tell you something right there. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, Mar- Marcy puts herself first constantly. It's only right that they honor that. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. Uh, just some things real quick before we start talking about what took place on the episode. Real quick, this is April 5th, 1987. That's, that's the day that this episode was released and broadcast for the first time jerry what uh what was going on in on april 5th 1987 you know well ronald reagan was president which means punk music was about to get really good (laughs) uh but one of the biggest things i saw this is fox network premieres and they come out the gate with married with children tracy ullman also but mostly married with children Wow. And from what I heard, this show actually saved the Fox Network. It certainly saved me. (laughs) 
Now, you guys know that The Simpsons basically came out on the Tracy Ullman show, so the, the two, like, gigantic shows that they had were released on the same day. Yeah, well, they had to come out swinging, and they did, and I think they knew with Married with Children that they had a hit on their hands, and they wanted to lead with that, and that was probably the smartest choice, and probably why they're still here today, because of Al Bundy. Right, exactly. You guys, uh, it's it's clear to say, just so everybody knows the perspective we're all coming from, all three of us, Justin is uh, more of a novice. He's He's sort of a beginner in this whole thing, like, you don't know every episode you don't know every reference but you know the show exists you've seen a few episodes and you like them yeah uh you know growing up in the 90s uh this show actually aired four years and five days before i was even born but because it was a successful show it continued on uh after i was born and i do remember you know catching reruns and probably airing episodes on tv as a kid Uh, i always remember the theme song most Uh, i don't really remember a ton of the episodes Watching the pilot here tonight, I didn't remember it, so I'm not sure if I ever even seen the pilot, but uh, I've been always interested in watching it. I've owned season one for a long time, and I've, I've never popped it in, so this is a great <laughs> opportunity for me to finally uh, get involved with this show. Wow, how amazing is that? What a meant-to-be thing. I mean, the thing would have been sitting there forever if, if Justin had not joined this show. But, you know, when we told him that we were recording live in the Jiggly Room, there was no way he could resist. That's how he's on the show. So he's new to the scene, guys. That's Justin's perspective. Jerry's perspective is different. He's vaguely familiar. He's seen a lot of episodes. He doesn't memorize everything about every one of them, but he's a casual fan. Right, Jerry? Yeah, I would definitely say that. I watched it a lot growing up because, like... Justin said, in the 90s, you were watching sitcoms. Whether they were still on or they were in syndication, you were watching them. And Married with Children was one I would always watch, mostly because I always liked Bud. He was always hilarious to me. He was very quick wit. And I was like, one day I will be as big of a disappointment to my dad as he is. And did that ever happen? Well, I don't know. He won't talk to me. (laughs) I'm I'm going to play it safe and say you are. Okay, well, there you go. That's Jerry's perspective, a casual fan, and he will become a bigger fan as this goes on, believe me. And my perspective is I'm basically a Married with Children psycho. I started watching it um, basically when it came out, uh, definitely around 10 years old, and that that was 1989 that I was 10 years old. So uh, definitely from there, I never really stopped. I used to record them on TV, on VHS, and I... Definitely always popped it in throughout the year, here and there. And then when the DVDs were released, that was a great time. I bought them as they came out. And the show, because of those DVDs, the show has sort of been in my life forever. And whenever I'm anywhere or wake up somewhere, I put go through the channels. Married Children's always on. It's, even to this day, it's still on in the morning when people wake up. They tell me, oh, yeah, I watch that every morning. It's it just it, when something's that good, it's just it. It's able to last forever, and it just never goes away, and it never gets old, and it never gets dated. I mean, some things are dated, but in a good way with this show, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So the one thing I wanted to say about uh, the people on the show, the cast, is their ages when this all started. In this first episode, Al Bundy was, and this is all real life ages, uh, Al Bundy was 40 years old, Peg was 33, Kelly was 15, Bud was 13, Steve was 34, Marcy was 29, 
Buck the dog was three years old. And at this time, Jefferson, who comes in in season five, he was 29 also. So him and Marcy are actually the same exact age. I was totally just waiting to see if you're going to tell me the dog's age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, that comes into play because something very eerily strange happens uh, 10 years from now. It's also just, just to show how much Alex loves this show. He knows the dog's age. <laughs> yeah, I was a little taken off guard. I was like, really? Where'd you get that information? <laughs> oh, it's a website called completeloser.com. Oh, okay. That's not, a, that's not a real website. He literally probably robbed someone for that information on the Fox Studio lot. <laughs> Kelly Bundy is the first person to say a word on this show, and she's the last person to say a word when the show ended. And it very it very much came off that they wanted you to know that she was going to be the first one to speak because as soon as the intro music like stops, it is just dead silent until she says something really. Right. They just pan around and Peg is like her leg is moving, sitting at the table doing her nails or something, and Kelly's reading, which is really weird because she doesn't know how to read, right? I just assumed she was, like, looking at the words and hoping to spot, oh, there's the, oh, I see an and. I know and. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. This episode is very strange because none of the characters are really what we've come to know and love. Like, Kelly is not an idiot yet, right? I mean, she gets dumber as she gets older, I guess. Well, you know, the more steam and the less intelligence. Right. The first thing that happens is uh, Bud sneaks up behind Kelly, puts a fake knife to her throat, and says, die, commie bimbo. Let go of my hair, you little psychopath. Die, commie bimbo. <laughs> Bud, I thought we talked about this before. What's that, Mom? You know, sneaking up behind your sister, pulling her hair, pretending to kill her. <laughs> you remember the effect it had on Grandma? <laughs> nobody likes it, nobody thinks it's funny, so cut it out, okay? Sure, Mom. The, the strangest thing about this show right away is that the whole audience laughs when he does it. It's not the greatest joke, but the whole audience laughs when he does it. And then Peg says, you know, Bud, uh, what did I tell you about sneaking up on your sister, pretending to kill her? And everybody laughs again. And then she goes, <laughs> nobody likes it. Nobody thinks it's funny. And you're almost like, oh, well, I guess I'm an idiot for laughing at this. And it gives out the, the feeling that Peg is a normal mother, like just a normal mom who would say that. And that always kind of struck me as odd because as the episode goes on, it completely changes. Yeah, like Justin, when she said that, is it like, is it jarring to you because you sort of are familiar with the characters and they're not anything like they are on this pilot episode? So is it like, wow, Peg cares about something that has to do with mothering? Yeah, yeah, a little bit odd. One thing also that was odd, you said it just kind of starts and it's really quiet at first. And I was like, oh, this is like, it's literally just like they picked a random spot in time in these people's lives. And it's like, well, we're just going to start here. And it's like, it's like kind of a weird way to start. You guys think so? Yeah, like they didn't move into the house or anything. Yeah, I was just like, okay. Yeah, but it. It also gives it like an air of realism because a lot of times early in the morning, the house is still really quiet. If you're lucky. Well, Alex, some <laughs> of us live in nice houses. Oh, hey, listen, the sound of bullets whizzing by my head are nothing to sneeze at, okay? <laughs> Al Bundy is introduced. He walks down the stairs and right away, it's gold. He says, 
Is there any reason you put a cactus where my alarm clock used to be? Like, that's the greatest thing in the world. And, like, you already know the joke, and Peg still elaborates and says, oh, I guess I should have told you before you slammed your hand down on it. So, <clears throat> right away, it's like, oh, okay, so <laughs> the wife is sort of dumb, and the husband's pretty sarcastic and is not shy about letting her know that she does stupid stuff. They're kind of taking jabs at each other, too, like, I guess literally as well with the cactus but right away you kind of get uh, a sense that they have this unique sort of banter back and forth where they kind of like one up each other in words oh the first exchange is horrendous and going off what he what justin just said that they have this kind of social interaction that they constantly do makes me feel that she didn't put the cactus there because she's dumb she put it there on purpose and she knows she's like oh yeah i forgot to tell you like yeah, that's kind of what i got as doing. well yeah, but we initially think that she's dumb, and then all of a sudden, after the first conversation, like, wait a minute, yes. I think there's more to this than meets the eye right now. Al, do you have to leave the refrigerator door open? I'm getting a draft. I'm sorry. Maybe I should look for some food in the dishwasher. <laughs> we have no juice. No, oh, I didn't buy any. I didn't have time. Well, that happens, I understand. <laughs> you don't have a job or anything, do you? <laughs> sandpaper the stains out of your shirts and battle your socks and underwear into the washing machine. But I guess that is more of an adventure than a job. What has that got to do with juice? Al, there's a store on your way home from work. I'm sorry, why didn't I think of that? Sure, I don't mind doing the shopping too. Anything else I can do to make your life a little easier? You could shave your back. <laughs> hey, that hair is there for a reason. Keeps you off of me at night. Now, let's not start. We were having such a nice morning. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're right. It's so funny how they're so rude to each other, and then at the end of it, they're like, uh, let's not fight. We had a nice morning. What was what was nice about that morning up until they said that? I I was that, that I had the same reaction. I was like, it's almost like as soon as it got to like when he was like the hair on my back keeps you off me at night. When it brings up sex, she's like, oh, well, don't ruin the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, the kids are eating breakfast in this. This is That's so weird because eventually they're frying an M&M on a pan. And I hate to, like, you know, it's weird. I don't want to go to the, the future. I mean, I guess we should treat this like uh, we're living it, but maybe not. I think it's actually interesting to see the development and see how strange things are in the beginning, <laughs> especially because most people don't watch shows like this in order. You know, it's just yeah. whatever's on TV. So <laughs> It's always weird with sitcoms because if you like a sitcom a lot and you want to tell somebody to watch it who's never seen it, typically you actually don't want to start at the beginning. You don't want to show them the first episode because the characters have not developed into what they're going to become yet at all. So, it, you know, I, I honestly don't know, uh, you know, how, how to differentiate it, I guess, 100 percent. But um, it, it's interesting always to start at the beginning of a sitcom and, and just see, like, what they were trying to do and what they eventually ended up doing. Right. Well, what uh, another change in character. I mean, Bud, there's not much to say about Bud, but Al is much grumpier he didn't really have like a sense of humor about himself yet it's just his delivery is so different from even season two and i think he really 
found his character in season three, four, five. Like, that is the Al Bundy everybody knows. And then he actually sort of morphs into a completely different character as the show continues. But um, The Height is, uh, I I, I would say, season two through uh, five or six or something like that. You know, and and it's when Al was really at his best. So um, Al works, he's a shoe salesman. And he works at a place called Gary's. It's in the New Market Mall in Chicago. The whole family, that's where they live, Chicago. So the first thing you see is probably one of the reasons he's sort of so miserable. (laughs) He's a shoe salesman and he's dealing with a lady who says she's... Have you guys ever heard this before? She she swears up and down she's a size 7. And he says, yeah, all women are 7s. Is it like, a, I guess women don't want to be known as having big, clumsy feet or whatever, but do you ever hear anybody try to, like, say something like they're size 7? Or... Not with shoes, but it makes sense, like, they don't ever want to tell you their age, they don't want to tell you what size pants they wear, you their know. Weight. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't want to tell you that information, because that's the whole reason they put on makeup, is to create the illusion. <laughs> they don't want you to, like, once you start knowing facts, this kind of whole thing's going to go downhill. Yeah, it's like yeah. peeking behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, you're right, because I remember one time I was with a girl who said – she said she lost weight, and I said, oh, well, what do you weigh? She goes, well, I lost four pounds. That's all I'm saying. And I was like, well, what did you weigh, though? She goes, I, it doesn't matter. I lost four pounds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> so you're right. They don't really want to give the facts. <laughs> yeah, I found it kind of weird that he was uh... – a shoe salesman. I didn't know that about the show. Um, I figured he would have like a more prestigious type job or something, but he's just like kind of working at a shoe department store. Wow. What made you think that? Cause he has a house and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> he's handing out <laughs> money and stuff like, like I, I, how much money can you make as a shoe salesman? <laughs> <laughs> well, they gave the, the, uh, the, the, the actual, uh, rate one time. I think it was like, it was something ridiculous, you know, like within the one to three dollar range or something an hour. <laughs> Maybe he makes commission, and that's why he gets so much. Like, why he's he not very than... good. <laughs> yeah, he's not good. I mean, did you see the first interaction here? Well, there, he's... there's, there's hope. He's just straight insulting her. I was like, oh Jesus! Like, like to be fair though, like we came into that like what feels like halfway into the conversation because he says. I've spent the last like half hour trying to to put your foot in a shoe when I should have been putting it in the box. So maybe he was like really nice up until that point. Right. Yeah. And then he was worried so about. Much. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he is actually really because you look at the next chick he helps. He's like, yeah. yes, ma'am. How can I help you? Like, and I work retail. So I get that 100 percent. There's a certain line that once you pass, everything you're going to get from me is going to be dry dark humor like <laughs> i lived in england during the depression it's it's going to come off bad i would love to know you know as a kid it didn't matter what i thought i would love to be to know what the adults thought when this show came on and within five minutes of the episode the first introduction this guy is insulting a fat woman <laughs> like to say <laughs> the kid he goes you want to give john tell john henry to give it a rest with the pumps and then he goes she said she's leaving after he says the ease into the box joke like you just said and then come on arnold we're leaving i want a balloon you've already got one <laughs> 
burn. <laughs> <laughs> like, what were people thinking? They're like, this is. You're right, though, because it might, it could potentially come off instead of like a, a lovable, you know, quick witted person to like kind of a dickhead, right? Like, it, it, yeah. it could have easily been perceived as that. <laughs> right. Every, everyone who works retail was watching that scene like, yes. You yeah. get her like because yeah. those are the thoughts that go on in your head when you have to deal with people and people are exactly like that. Yeah, they were standing up and applauding that one. Yeah, like I was saying, like about the tone of the show, most people are used to watching the Cosby's and stuff like that. And it's weird because the working title for this show was actually called Not the Cosby's. <laughs> like they, they, they were literally saying we're going to do the opposite of this fake fun loving family who has these like strange problems that are not real or you know whatever and everyone's kind of talks to each other like human beings and they're like no (laughs) families don't really do that and it's funny because this is the complete polar opposite of that and this is like far-fetched in a way i mean believe it or not it's true in some families they're not really far from this this has more entertainment value than most interactions i think they're just like less sweaters and less mysterious drinks. It'll be a hit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, oh, wow, Bill, what did you do? We're introduced to a, a great character. I absolutely love this guy, Luke Ventura. He works in the shoe store with Al, and it's funny because I can't even picture Luke being there all day. Like the fact that he's he's hardly ever there on the show, it actually makes sense. So um, his whole character is that basically Al says to him, you know, how could you be happy sleeping with every woman you meet? He goes, I don't know how, but I am. Because <laughs> the intro is, Al, I'm going to go to to lunch. And he goes, you just got back from lunch. And he goes, well, technically, but biologically, I was in bed with a broad. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm hungry. <laughs> that, <laughs> that dude's funny, man. <laughs> And I like to think that he was like, all right, go ahead. Go for, go for your lunch. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Because right away, the story changes about the Bulls tickets. Does Okay, so with that character, we do get the sense that he's not there a lot when he should be. And I, I'm just sitting here watching go, does Al cover for him? Like, is Al just like, oh, man code, I got to cover for him? <laughs> yeah. I kind of think that he might. Yeah, he probably just like, eh, Luke's gone again. He just He's just miserable. He just sits there. You know, what's he going to do? <laughs> he's like, maybe I'll get one of the pretty ones this time. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> that hot chick comes into the to the shoe store, and I do want to keep a tally. I want to keep some tallies on this show as we go through the entire thing, the entire series. I want to keep tallies for, you know, various things. And one of them is how many uh, hot girls walked into the shoe store <laughs> and he's right. and, and luke is slick with it as soon as they walk in he's on them yeah. and he's got a compliment ready to go you've got the instep of a of a movie star and i'm like what the fuck is an instep yeah. like <laughs> i don't know I, I don't know either i don't know if that's like probably when they put one foot in front of the other when they walk don't models do that instead of having them side to side like we do I don't know. Justin, you're a formal model. Is that what they do? <laughs> I believe so. I believe that Alex is correct. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm guessing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was hot. And <laughs> Al does this whole thing. He says he's going to the Bulls-Lakers game. And that's a really big deal, especially in 1987. Michael Jordan uh, was there, but he wasn't who he became either. 
and they already had Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant. So at that point, that that team was really uh, picking picking things up, and it was good. So that was a big game, and the Lakers had Magic Johnson, uh, James Worthy, all those older guys. So that's a big deal. So Al comes home, and Peg hears him pull up, and she starts vacuuming she starts vacuuming her cigarettes and chocolate wrappers <laughs> and he turns the tv off so uh so al comes home and uh he asks for the juice right away that he has pegged for and of course she says oh that's what i forgot uh so she doesn't get him his juice you know what i love about that scene though like he goes and touches the tv and goes oh you're working hard the tv must be sweating the look on his face when he asks for his juice, he knows she didn't get it, and he's clearly setting it up for, oh, well, it's okay, I'm going to the game. Like, it's all <laughs> a setup. Like, my favorite thing about Married with Children has always been facial expressions. Right. Because from an acting standpoint, they are on point with their facial. No other sitcom I've ever seen has had facial expressions so on point. You know when they say something, if they mean it sarcastically, if they're setting up something. Like every single person on this show is just golden with that watch. Like as we continue through this, I want everyone here at home, the Jiggly Lounge, everyone pay attention to facial expressions because it will key you in to when they're setting up something mm-hmm. and you can go back and watch and go, oh man, they really were setting up that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm glad you pointed that out because uh, it wasn't something that I specifically noticed watching uh, these two, uh, you know, the, the, the pilot episode. And uh, going forward, I'll definitely pay attention to that because I, I, I'm always interested in in things like that to look for. Yeah, and it just goes to show you that this cast is incredible. Like the I think it's a lady who did the the casting for this show. She, I mean, and it's weird because actually this is not the true pilot episode. I don't know if you know that. They actually there's like a pre-pilot episode that they filmed and it was almost all the same stuff, but two different people played Bud and Kelly. Hmm, is that out? Is that uh, in the wild like on the no. internet? I uh, I I tried to find it, nothing, because it's like, because uh, pilots change. If you look at, like, the Roseanne pilot, there's a completely different actor playing DJ. Right. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it ha- yeah. It, the, the, there's a lot of um, cases where that's happened. It's always interesting when those things hit the online world, though, to, to see the differences. I mean, I was, hey, I was thrilled watching someone else play uh, Marty in Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So... Yeah, you're right. All these, it's, they really picked all the greatest um, actors for this show. And it's odd because the first two people that they had in mind to play Al and Peg were Sam Kennison and Roseanne Barr. Yeah, and Sam Kennison at the time was just starting to get like really famous. Cause I mean, okay, I was born in 88. And my uh, my, my mom and dad, one of their first dates was to a Sam Kennison show. Wow. Like, so, uh, and my brother was born in 87. So like, like was, that was the rise of Sam Kinison. He was really getting big. So they were going to grab him and they were going to grab Roseanne and they were, but then they were, I guess they looked at him and was like, is are we going to have to have subtitles? Will anyone understand they're screaming? <laughs> oh, oh. 
Sam, well, actually, the the timing was actually perfect because didn't Sam Kennison just get done doing back to school? Uh, I think so. I'd have to check the dates, but I, th- I think so. Yeah. So he was on the rise. You're right. It would have been striking while the iron was hot. But um, no, uh, when they found uh, Katie Seagal and Ed O'Neill, that was that's something you don't you can't mess with that. That's just perfect. That's interesting that Roseanne w- was considered because uh, I believe didn't, didn't Roseanne air in 88. So, oh, so Roseanne, this. Roseanne directly came as a result of how well Married with Children did. I mean. It realistically, it is like a clone copy of this show from a from the female mother's perspective as the main character instead. But you had the same blue collar family with like same kind of sarcastic parents. Like, yeah, you, if you you're if, right. <laughs> like, there's direct influences you can see from the get go. If you, in fact, if if you had never seen Married with Children and you saw like Roseanne first and then saw Mary Chan, you'd probably be like, oh, I think they copied Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah, and took it further. And it's funny because it's like the Bundys are Bud and Roseanne is like Bud Light, you know? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I actually have the entire box set for Roseanne too. Yeah, I like Roseanne. Yeah, it's good. It's a good show. And it's basically Mary Children Light because it's almost the same spirit, but – it's a little more down to earth and a little more realistic, but unfortunately for them, uh, realistic does not always uh, translate to more entertaining. To me, I like the craziness that goes on on Married with Children as opposed to sort of uh, middle of the road. You know, like they're almost there, but they're not as nuts as this show. So. And, and in Roseanne, you have a lot more of the like. The family issues borderlining on like Cosby with depression as compared to when they have issues on married with children, it started in depression. It it it's always Al's like life to be that way. It's like the universe is finding every opportunity to slap specifically Al in the face. As we're on Roseanne, it's the whole family. It it I'll give Roseanne one prop over married with children and that it does feel more like a realistic dysfunctional family. Right. But I get more entertainment out of married with children because, uh, I go, I can relate to Al. I think about killing myself all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's like things are a little more glorified and like blown up and in married with children. And and that's why it's maybe not as realistic. Things are emphasized, but it, you know, probably is more entertaining because it's emphasized. Yeah, it's more outlandish. It, it gets even crazier, but still, I'm more entertaining. And uh, let's just give credit to the writers here. Uh, basically, the the creators, uh, uh, Michael Moye, I think is how you pronounce it, and Ron Levitt. Uh, one of them died. I think it's Ron Levitt who died, unfortunately. But yeah, those two guys were the driving force of this show. They are the reason we're sitting here doing this. So we dedicate this entire podcast from this episode to the last to those guys. Like, amazing job, guys. Holy. So, uh, yeah, like you said, Al set the whole thing up with Peg not getting the juice. He's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, you disappointed me. Now I'm going to go ahead and and say, well, as a consolation prize, I'm going to go to the basketball game with Luke. And she drops the bomb, no, you're not. 
and Al's like, oh, I'm sorry, you must have thought I was asking, you know, like a question. <laughs> <laughs> that line killed me. I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, my God. I have that, like, I was, I stopped, reround, played again. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, that whole banter between them, uh, neither one of them wanting to budge down and her starting off just with directly, you're not going, and I'm not telling you why, but you're not going, and and him just being like, no, you don't understand things from my side. <laughs> and like, it was just spot on. And then when she drops, why? She's like, they've lived here for two months and have no friends. We've lived here for 15 years and have no friends. And I'm over here like, <laughs> fuck, sign me up. I'm tired of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are lucky. Yeah, and it's funny because she even describes that uh, when they come over or something, how or or something about how he just sits there with his hand thrust down his pants, and that's pretty interesting because they already developed that characteristic right off the bat. Like who? That seems like something that you develop for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, think that he already did that, and I think he actually did do that later on in the episode too. Yes, he did because when they walk back in there and he's in there and him and Steve are in there, he's in there watching basketball. He's got one hand, Steve, double fisting it. Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, we get introduced to Kelly Bundy for real this time instead of just yelling at her brother. And basically, we know that Kelly uh, is already well into dating dirtbags. She's dating a guy named Cobra with a sore on his mouth. Uh, but uh, it's, it, it's okay though he got that because he only fell asleep with a cigar in his mouth he doesn't have herpes or anything <laughs> so Cobra j- pulls up in a van with a cobra painted on the side of it and the horn is like eh, 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 eh. <laughs> it's like what the and she goes, she goes I fell in love with his horn <laughs> yeah <laughs> what and then and I love how we're supposed to think that these types of guys, oh, it's okay, Mom. His real name is Stanley. Oh, well, then he's a sweet, wholesome guy, I'm sure. Let's just forget the sore on his mouth and, and, and the, the cobra on the side of his van and his horn. <laughs> I'm sure he's a really good guy because he has a dorky name. And, yep. and can we talk about how slick Bud is here? Bud's like, let me get some money. He's like, I had to earn mine growing up. And he basically does, you've seen the common joke of, here, sell me this pencil. Bud does this. To his dad with, you want to know who Kelly was with all day today? Yeah, and Al reaches for the wallet, boy. <laughs> like, they are sl- setting up how slick and quick-witted Bud is because, and it starts here. You see this here, and it only becomes more apparent and more obvious as the show goes on. I guess the, well, the very next thing after Kelly takes off, uh, the doorbell rings and rings. And rings. And rings. Yes. <laughs> Steve and Marcy actually rang the doorbell four times in, in the span of, like, a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. I would already be like, what? I would open the door like, what is wrong with you two? And it's, yeah. it's hilarious because both uh, Al and Peggy are too busy arguing with each other to go and answer the door or even notice that the bell is constantly ringing. And <laughs> yeah, you they're, also... like, tunnel-visioned. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's amazing and then as soon as uh they open the door hi i'm marcy i'm steve hello i'm marcy i'm steve you have a beautiful home yeah so do you come on <laughs> howdy neighbor yeah 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 i hate these people <laughs> why don't we sit down 
you know, I'm kind of embarrassed. I, I have nothing to serve you. Yeah, listen, if you're hungry, there's a store a few blocks away. Yeah, if you're going, you can get me some juice, okay? Al's only kidding. Like, Al does not care about first impressions. He, I don't even know if he says his name or anything. I don't, even, I don't remember if either one of them say what their names are. I, I give better first impressions at the drive-thru at McDonald's. I, I, like, sit there and actively make sure I don't say, you too, when they say enjoy the food. Like, yeah. Al, no, he doesn't care. Not one, one bit. And they, they sit down, and Peg has nothing to serve them at all. And then Al suggests that they go to the store if they want something to eat. <laughs> and while you're there, pick me up some juice. <laughs> I love the reoccurring juice joke in the first episode. <laughs> it is amazing, dude. Say, listen, who do you like to win the NBA championship this year? Well, Al, to tell you the truth, since we got married... I don't watch much sports. Marcy doesn't like it, and we decided we'll only do things we both like. And they've been married for two months. They're newlyweds, and the Bundys have been married, like Jerry said, for 15 years. Peg, you know, separates the, the thing. Al and Steve hang out, and Peg and Marcy go inside to make some bad coffee. <laughs> so, And she makes bad coffee, and I, I suppose bad food, just so Al takes her out more often to eat. <laughs> when she was doing the coffee, and she just, she kept, it was like instant coffee, and she just keeps dipping the spoon in it and fastly putting it into the cup. It, it's like one long shot, and she's like nailing it every time. And I was just like, this is crazy. She's moving so fast. I wonder yeah. how many takes that took. <laughs> Well, it's weird. Like, everyone seems so natural. I mean, even like Jerry said, the interaction with the two of them with uh, – uh, no, it's like you, you thought I was asking you, like, a question. Like, the whole – it all comes off very natural to me. Like, everybody has known each other for years. Those two seem like they were just married but still have underlying issues. Like, everybody really – although did not really develop their characters yet, they didn't know who they were until they had – they experienced more of the scripts they were given. That's how a person, like an actor, develops their character through all these different uh, reactions and how they deal with this, how they deal with that. Then they really figure out who they are, and that's why they're so different. In, like the, uh, halfway through season two, three, four, and five, that's why. But still, from the script they're given, it is they really nailed it. You know. Yeah, you can see them building up at. From uh, both Al and Peggy laughing at the neuter joke together, like you could, like Peggy's, like, you can tell she like bursted with laughing. She was not trying to laugh; she was trying to stay composed, and she bursted because at the end of the day, she married Al. She knows his humor, and that got to her. And that is just, it's a small thing, but it makes it feel lived in. Uh, even when uh, they go, oh, what's your secret to being married? And they start pointing out flaws oh. in each other. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like I was watching it. And I'm like, I wonder if that happens to Alex. Like, I wonder if his wife just comes up to him and is just like. We've been married 15 years. Oh. Well, what's your secret? Oh, no secret, really. Just to be considerate. Accept each other for what you are. Don't point out the fact that the hair he's losing on his head is now growing out of his nose. <laughs> and his ears. <laughs> and they 
accepting the fact that nowadays it's harder to figure out where her chest ends and her stomach begins. <laughs> could you could you imagine that though? Like, I, I guess Peg does not care for first impressions either. I mean, what kind of <laughs> wife? <laughs> like, okay, I get it. Let's all you know. Let's show the the new neighbors our sense of humor a little bit. But who starts off? I mean, this is two minutes into these people meeting. And it was like, <laughs> oh my god, man! Like, what is wrong with these people? And and the, and like you said, the facial expressions, the look on Marcy and Steve's face, that whole smile, but totally awkward. <laughs> but I'll smile as if I get it. Yeah, that's yeah, funny, it's like a I crooked guess. smile. <laughs> Uh, Al gets Steve to finally watch sports. Justin, what were you thinking when they were, they were sitting there watching and, you know, Marcy's talking to Peg and learns the secrets of, uh, you know, damaging some uh, vital organs to get some, uh, uh, you know, meals out to eat. Uh, and she walks over and says, Steve, and he goes, hey, shh. <laughs> like, it was like, whoa, this guy totally changed in like a second. Yeah, that was uh, probably my favorite scene in the episode, and and that's what really sold me on the Owl character. When the when Steve is like, "Man, I miss sports," and he's like, "Of course you do. You're a man." I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> <laughs> right with him with that, you know. And um, it, it's interesting to see both of these. It, it showcases how much, even though they are different, they're very much the same. Uh, Peggy and Owl, like they they. They're sort of the same person, but just just different. And one of them tries to present themselves different, uh, and the other one just doesn't care. But at the end of the day, they're kind of very similar. They both plant a seed of doubt in each. Uh, like Peggy works pointing her seed of doubt, Al works pointing his seed of doubt. Like at the same time in separate rooms, they're doing the exact same thing. Right. And see, it's funny when Justin was saying that, I actually thought he was going to refer to Al and Steve how they're very much alike. But Al, it's funny. It's almost a, a total example of one marriage where the guy wears the pants and the other marriage where the girl wears the pants in the family. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And it's all it is. Steve really is a regular guy, but he is just neutered. He's been <laughs> <Even>, changed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he says, God, I used to love sports. And in the next episode, you'll see something else he used to love, you know? Yeah, it's almost like we all have, like, some of the same insecurities. And even when you're acting like you don't, like, oh, we have the perfect two-month marriage. These people have been married for 15 years, see past that bullshit. And they find your insecurities that you have, that they know you have, that you're trying not to show. And just start pecking at them. Oh, we always used to go to bed together at the same time? Bet you noticed in the last month he stays up a little bit later. <laughs> and, and oh, your son's not going to play sports? Hmm. He's going to, they're going to, they're going to, your son's going to be a wussy, like attacking a man's like, uh, son. That's like one of the greatest like accomplishments they will ever have is, is their son. It's very big in, in the world of masculinity. I mean, not that I know from experience, but yeah, I was going to say you're, you're a disappointment. So yeah. Uh, I told, I messaged my dad. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna do a married with children podcast. And he was like, cool. Can I have the other guy's number? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, out of the people that that are in that room, Steve, Marcy, and Peggy, and Al, of course, Al is – you mentioned that Steve and, and Al are, are the same deep down. Uh, the only difference is Al is just himself. Like he's not trying to to change who he is. He's just natural, and that's why he's so relatable. He's not hiding anything. He's not trying to cover anything up. He's just being him. 
and while Steve has been changed and he's he's sort of uh, forced to live a life that maybe he he to, wouldn't to please, and I, to please Marcy. Yeah, that's why it's uh, yeah, so relatable to to Al is just because he's just being himself. I wonder if guys who were more like Steve watched this and be like, "Wow, what am I doing?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Like, but uh, yeah, like can you imagine if Al was? Can you imagine if that in a weird way was Al whispering in the ear of every neutered man in America? But and, and on the opposite side, Peggy is whispering in the ear of all the housewives. I mean, PMS, get it? Yeah. It's like, and and the whole coffee thing, like, just pointing out how like just slick she was with that, like as if she's done it so many times that it's second nature. And then when they actually drink the coffee, you can say Al drinks it like it's whiskey, like it's hitting hard. But he's like, I'm a fucking man, and I do this. <laughs> and Steve just like is about to throw up, but it sets. <laughs> It sets this lived-in reality that just... I can't believe watching this pilot that this was the pilot. It's kind of amazing. It really is like the great... I remember when I first got this DVD, because, you know, like I said, growing up, it was all scattered. I didn't know what the first episode was. I mean, I guess I should have maybe realized... I don't know, but I was was younger, though, so... Maybe I'd even get to record that one. So I was going to say, I, I would have realized that if they're first meeting, you know, these two, I would know. But I guess I really didn't even see this episode very often or whatever. So I remember when I first put the DVD in about 10 years ago, um, being struck by how good this episode was. I was like, wow, that was some start to this show. No wonder I love it so much. Like, man, they were good right away. That's that's pretty amazing. You know, Marcy starts asking him, why do you stay up late, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Steve, you know, is just blowing it off. And he says, I'm going to the game next week with Al. <laughs> My mother's coming over next week. Oh, yeah? She's going to teach you how to bury me like she buried her three husbands? <laughs> Steve! Are you implying that their suicides had something to do with mother? (laughs) Oh. Well, if that's your attitude, then maybe I should just pack my bags and move in with her. Great. Then I could go to bed at a normal hour. (laughs) All right, Steve Rhodes, let's go. We're going home. It's time to redefine our relationship. Okay. Al, I'll see you next week at the game. Peggy, I think we'll be spending a lot of time together. Come on, Steve. We've got to talk. I'll make it quick. I'm going to watch boxing. You'll watch nothing. <laughs> like, whoa. That is the last thing I thought I would hear the guy who said, you know, Al, I really don't watch sports because Marcy doesn't like it. The last thing I thought I'd hear is that line. Yeah, <laughs> it, it shows how effective Al is at bringing the manly side out of you. Because I mean, the quips just start flying. He's yeah, he went zero to six. <laughs> yeah, like, that was unbelievable. Um, but she says something like how she, uh, Steve can go live somewhere else, or she'll move in with her mom, and he goes, "Good, that I can go to bed at a normal hour," <laughs> which is like perfect. Yeah. Because of what was said, what Peggy had brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, 
I got to shoot. Man on the side of your feet. Excuse me, I'm getting a call. <laughs> Dr. Shu, hello. Oh, Dr. Shu, I don't know what to do. I'm going to a party in five minutes, and my shoes are too tight for both of my feet. Ouch. Can you help me? Has this happened to you? I'm willing to bet that it has. As a matter of fact, I'm betting 50,000 bucks that it has. So, if you're like Muffy here, <laughs> or even if you're just fat and ugly and have a shoe problem, call me on the shoe line. That's 555-SHOE. Can I help? Shoe betcha. I feel better already. <laughs> and don't forget, say hi to shoe. They go, I storm out. Alan Pegg feel like, job well done. Wow, they're going to have it rough. Uh, all thanks to them. They don't care. They truly have no remorse. They don't say, gee, I, I feel bad. We got them fighting. They do not care. And it's so funny. It doesn't make them mean people or anything like that. They're just, I guess you could say they're inconsiderate or something. Like, I don't know. Like, what does it mean that they have no remorse for what they just did to these people? Jaded? Yeah. They actively were just, like, planting seeds <laughs> to to make their own entertainment. <laughs> you know, and I think the other reason they didn't feel any remorse and it doesn't make them bad people is because I think that once Steve kind of got all these things out in the open, what Alan Pegg realizes is that, no, these people have issues. They were just, you know, they are just putting on a front. I'm glad that Steve got to get that off his chest and we didn't mess up anything. Clearly, these people have problems before they walked in the door. Steve just didn't come up with these things. You know what I mean? So that's another reason not to really worry about what you just did to these two. One strange thing happens that uh, we're also keeping a tally on this. I think this was Jerry's idea. Every time, it's like Al versus Peg uh, with sex. As we all know, that Al eventually wants to avoid sex at all costs. I mean, for some reason, he does not want to have sex with his wife at all. So it's interesting that in this first episode, he says, you want to go upstairs? And they go upstairs. I think he grabs her ass, and you know they're going to have sex. I mean, what else would they say that for? Um, <clears throat> so Peg wins. So on this episode, we score one for Peg. And let's also point out the fact that uh, Peggy masterminded her getting to go out and eat somewhere at the end of this episode because not only is he like, oh, we should go out somewhere, he specifically says, I like their coffee. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's like a like, that's a joke that's easily missed because I yeah, didn't like, catch that until you just mentioned it. I One of the things I do when watching, and, and I'll be honest with you, I watched the first episode four times in the past, like, uh, three days just to try to catch things because I, I've, I maintain that at the end of this podcast series, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch the first episode again. And I'm, and I promise you, I'm going to sit back and go, 
it was there the whole time. They had it from the get-go. Their setup is perfect. They set up things that happen that you will completely miss 10 minutes later. And the coffee bit shows this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he literally look. he drinks it, looks at it, and goes, you know what, I like their coffee too. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he's like, we haven't gone there in a long time, which goes back to her saying, oh, yeah, if they have too much fun at home, they'll never take you out. Uh, the, you got to give them, you got to hurt their internal organs to get them to move. And it works. She proves it. When she says that to Marcy, she isn't just making a joke. She is telling you what she has learned over 15 <laughs> years. If that isn't world building, I don't know what is. Fuck it. Someone called the DC universe and say, Hey, watch married with children. They'll show you how to set this up. Right. And it's weird. It's almost like, a, a wife would look at that and go, wow, is that what I should have been doing this whole time? Because I would like to go out to eat more often. Like, man, I never thought of that. It's actually, a, sadly, an, a, a great thing to do. I mean, just have the bad food at home and he'll, he'll just say, can we go somewhere and eat nice? Because you know, so. it's, not, it's not her nagging. It's not her personally doing something to where you want to go do something without her. It's something that you don't necessarily relate to her. You're just like, she makes bad coffee, and you're just used to it now. So when you have coffee elsewhere, it's amazing. So you'll want to take her out. It's it's perfect. Yep, perfect. Yeah, it really makes her seem really smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? It does. Well, she's more conniving, I think, than smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, well, that's uh, the first pilot episode. Um, this episode completely set the stage for how crude this will be and what kind of humor you have to have i think after everybody saw this first episode they realized even if they hung in even if they were like it was like off-putting and they hung in just to see like where is this going i think it really separates the men from the boys in, in terms of humor you either have this kind of sense of humor or you don't I think everybody realized it after this episode. They couldn't have put it more out there. You couldn't be surprised, you know what I mean, by anything that comes after this. After this episode, it's just so crude. Yeah, and and this show is relatable on a whole new level. And it started, like, if you think back at the time, yes, you had Cosby where everything was clean cut. You also had shows like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that was totally unrelatable unless you were, like, just stupid rich. Or you were poor and then went to rich. Like, it was unrelatable. This show is relatable to everyone because it shows the family dysfunction. It doesn't matter who you are if you're – the kids can relate. The housewives can relate. The husbands could relate. Hell, the dogs can relate. (laughs) Like, this ushered in to me a realm of sitcoms as we know sitcoms today as being more relatable. Yeah, no matter how outlandish, that's what, you know, this is, it's not some weird coincidence that this show is so successful. I mean, Jerry's right. It just, it speaks to people, you know, no matter how outlandish, no matter how crazy, like nobody would say crazy things like that or or be so mean to each other. But I don't know, maybe we all think these things, but we don't say them because we're just more polite. But man, we're all thinking it. You know, and to some degree. Hey guys, we'll be right back to wrap up this Married with Children episode review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and join our Facebook group page. 
Just type in Married with Children Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. And please leave a review telling us what you think of the show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Once again, just search up Married with Children Podcast. Thanks for checking out this review. And now we're going to wrap it up by giving our final thoughts and ratings of this episode. So guys, uh, time to rate the first episode, the pilot episode of Married with Children. Um, You know, Peg did not get Al's juice, but guys, how many glasses of juice out of five do you give this episode, Justin? Uh, Yeah, out of five glasses of juice, I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, four out of five glasses of juice. A very, very solid episode. Uh, You know, from my perspective, obviously, it's a little bit different because I've not seen uh, most of these episodes. So uh, to just kind of see what the show's about, understand it, uh, I'll definitely sold sold me right away though because like he's he's i see a lot of myself in him and i think a lot of other men do as well because he just he acts on what we think and i like that uh so i'm gonna go ahead and give it four out of five glasses of juice so i'm not gonna do this a lot but i am gonna give this one five out of five uh juice for al just because every once in a while in this show you're gonna have landmark episodes where something really, really, really important happens. And there is nothing more important to me than the world building. I've said it like 200 times in the show, more times than they said juice. <laughs> it, it, it's set up in this, and it's so lived in. And I think this is I, – I, one of the few times I would probably say, you know what, I would show someone the first episode to get them into it because it is solid. It, it really is. Things change as we go forward, but they only change for the better. And when, how many shows can you say start off this strong? So for me, five out of five, no problem. I, I, I would buy him tickets to the game. I would, <laughs> I would get him the juice. I, I, whatever I could do to make him better. I would do. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I also give this five out of five glasses of juice for Al because, like Jerry said, the landmark first one, man, talk about coming out of the gate. Like I said, I was struck by it when I first saw it, about how good the first episode was. Um, It just really, it really set up everything and really painted a picture for what was to come. And they just didn't realize how good it would get. So when you start off this strong and somehow just get better, because I love the bravery of it. I love the balls of the show. I love how they were like, nothing is like this. Everybody is all into this goody two Cosby kind of thing. And we're going to do something completely different. We're just going to put it out there and see see how it goes. And, you know, we don't care. We're fearless, and that's how we're going to go, and that's how the show is going to stay. And, uh, man, what a way to start. So... That was the pilot episode of Married with Children uh, that we just reviewed. Hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, gentlemen, this is Last Call. Oh, it is? Oh, man. Well, before we go, we'll see you. We're going to release this show. It is Friday. It is January 6th. 2017 is the year that we are starting this show because this show started in 1987. So 30 years later, we are here to do this 
as a tribute to one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. 30 years on the year, and we're doing it every single Friday uh, for, I guess, five years, because that's how many episodes. There's 262, so we have a long way to go. Uh, This is a great start, so tune in next week uh, on uh, Friday. We're going to cover Season 1, Episode 2, Thinergy. Marcy introduces Peg to a new energetic diet to improve her marriage. Al, meanwhile, wants no part of it, but learns if he tries the diet, he can persuade Peg to quit. He must then swallow his pride and admit to Peggy he loves her no matter what. So guys, that's what we'll be reviewing next week. All right, boys. It's uh, this last call time. Last call. All right, guys. One more round and we're out of here. Uh, see you later, guys. See ya. Take it easy. I don't. Uh, I don't know if I can drive. Oh, it's okay. We'll sleep here tonight. <laughs> <laughs>